got the impression that we weren't motivated to speak to each other that much. I mean, either with, with family members or with, with friends, but somehow many of us have found um, certain types of outlets, you know, whether it be art or music, or which has really, really helped us uh, a lot. Because you're amazing at art. I've Thank seen your you. drawings. <laughs> I remember living with, with them and yeah. I saw your drawings. Like, Thank you so much. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, but it's mostly like, unfortunately, I don't have that much you know, time to invest in, in that now. But uh, whenever I feel like it, I just um, doodle things mm -hmm. and, and draw silly stuff and leave notes, which is also meaningful to, to, to me. Yeah, the, the most recent one was I, I started dating one, one guy a, a month ago. So it all, it all kicked off perfectly, you know, I... We had perfect conversation and laughing and, and stuff, but um, some somehow we we couldn't we didn't manage. You know, he he just faded out at one point, and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I really liked you, and I really wanted thing to know, you know, what's what's going on at this point. I was really open, and I, I texted him. So okay, are we gonna hang out sometime again? I don't understand because he was yeah, really yeah, like, yeah. oh my god, you're so cool, you're so open. I'm really having an amazing time here with you, blah blah blah, and he. He was super honest in his answer where he said, um, uh, you seem unbelievably shy, anxious at times, and I would really love to hang out with you sometime, but I honestly don't have that much energy and willpower to cope with that or try to change you, which I totally respect. It's just that, um, and my first thought was, oh my God, he's honest. Thank you so much for yeah. being open and honest. Yeah. But yeah, back to the, <laughs> to, yeah. to the story about art. I just felt like I was, okay, I'm gonna grab a piece of paper and draw something. And mm -hmm. I drew this silly raccoon grapes because that was the video he played <laughs> uh, on our on our first date it was I don't know it, it I don't know if this makes sense but it's kind of putting a point to a story you know it's just I wanted to know where this is heading or, or whether it is heading yeah. anywhere and it's just a fun little creative way you know to and I wrote a little little note so yeah it was and of course we talked about it <laughs> yeah 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 by the way we know each other since 17 years 17 or so, no way. so yeah. yeah wow she's one of yeah yeah she's the she's the closest friend I have which is the reason why I wanted to My know third to... sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, the whole talk of, of any kind of mental illness or problems or anything, any struggle we might have, because we couldn't turn to our parents from time to time. Not, I know they would try to be there for us, like every good parent would, but because there is no awareness in this country of it, I think most parents don't know how. That's the biggest problem. They don't know what to do with their child, and they make so many wrong moves. Plus there is age difference and uh, it's it's really important to talk to your family but sometimes you just need an, a completely objective opinion you know someone who's not related and someone who's of your age that's why friends are like extended family yeah that's right many of our parents came from small places villages there they are educated people they went to the highest possible they got highest possible education at that time but that doesn't mean they were aware of certain problems they just weren't discussed in a society back then i mean um the whole society functioned differently mm -hmm. and i think many of the problems we deal with are completely different uh, than the ones they had to deal with. I'm sure they also had to go to many specter of mental illnesses and problems in their time. But also a lot of the situation that causes, the triggers some of them for our generations is like the crash of their time. And we are born in that chaos. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, that's also the reason why they can't relate. Like uh, how, how we communicate, how we function. It's fundamentally different than what they and uh, that's why when you find a true friend somebody who relates 
to what you're going through, somebody who you know is going to be there, like not in an unhealthy way, but just be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter what, that, that somebody who, after you shared, I don't know what with, will see you the same way they always saw you. Yeah. That nothing can change that. Mm-hmm. They will see your core. They will see what's what it's all about. The the main problem is that. There's a um, certain limit what somebody else can do, what you can do for yourself. And that's why I think you need to go to a professional at some point for yeah. some things. That it would be way easier mm-hmm. for everybody. Precious thing when you have a friend uh, t- to whom you can literally pour your heart out mm-hmm. and all of your weirdest and darkest things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, I mean, that's, it's definitely not an end, the end of the world. But it's just, it's extremely important to find this one person, be it a friend, a family member, or professional. You, you cannot imagine how uplifting it is just to pour everything out. Yeah. Unconstrained, completely. Mm-hmm. Just, that's one of the best feelings ever. Yeah. And without judgment as well. Yeah. Like, I, there's a lot of friends that I have that I have such an unconditional love for. Like, if they're, you know, even when things do go wrong they say something that we don't necessarily agree on or they do something that we don't necessarily agree on or we do have an argument about something or whatever. It's almost like with your brothers and sisters, like I feel like you need, especially with your family, you need an unconditional love. A love that is still there regardless of what happens because, you know, you respect and understand that person for all of their good and bad points. Like, okay, like you don't necessarily get on with everyone and whatever. But especially with your closest friends, like to be a friend where you can be there no matter what happens even if they turn around to you and go I'm going completely crazy like what's going on with my head like you know or oh I've just been in bed all day crying like you know yeah we've been there for so many times now yeah yeah yeah, exactly and to be able to say that to a friend is incredible because Mm. that it does show unconditional love if you can show that to someone else and they can sit there and understand and are willing to go through that with you. That I think that is the most amazing love you can possibly get. Like it really is, yeah. Yeah. You respect that that is how that person is feeling at that time. In a non judging way, at least providing them honesty but love with that honesty. It's like then I think that's that's so so important, especially like when you're going through mental health issues. Like I I definitely felt like there were times where I could and couldn't tell my family. Like there's still a lot of stuff that they don't know the details of in comparison mm-hmm. to my friends. Like there's certain stuff that I wanted to protect them from and not completely tell them what was going on. Like even with my grandparents, like I told them yeah like I'm not feeling too happy at the moment Mm -hmm. um but don't worry I'm going to the doctors I'm sorting it all out you know it was never oh I'm like really depressed I'm having dark thoughts Mm. but it's very different when you have a relationship with a friend where especially if you're living with them they see that they Mm. they, you can't hide it and you know they're the people that know you to almost like a deeper level than your family at Mm. points they they almost get like a certain access to you they get to they they know your personality and they Mm. can see when something isn't quite right or you're acting Mm -hmm. a bit different like I even had a friend of mine that said you know like I remember when we hung out this one time and we were having a chat and it felt like old times again just from this friend saying that it was like oh I'm changing like well while this is going through my head he can notice that I'm a different person and I guess in his head at the time it was um focused on like different reasons or like I don't know why she's acting like this I remember when I was first, before I had my first panic attack and my mum 
and my grandma, they all said to me, like, my mum said, I have not seen you smile once on this holiday so far. And I didn't even know at the time. I was like, I don't know. Like, my body was just in this phase that I couldn't even recognise, but she could notice straight away. And then, like, a few days later, I had my first, like, proper panic attack, and then it started happening really regularly after that. These people, they almost at times know you better than you know yourself. It's hard to kind of listen to people sometimes when they are saying, like, OK, you're, you're changing. Like, it's, it's, it's hard. It's like, I don't, I don't want to change. But they can recognise it, which is also a way in which they can help. Um, but when it comes to everyday situations, um, have you ever had problems with people not acknowledging your issues? That's why we're here today, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in what sense? Like, what do you mean? Like, as an example? Yeah, for, for example, I, um, I, in high school, I, I was diagnosed with um, general anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I was being told that I'm hypersensitive, which is really uh, a big issue. So I didn't go to school for, for a month. And then when I came back, people were, they didn't obviously say it to my face, but um, you could sense that we don't believe that something serious happened. We think you're spoiled and having a, you know, oh, she's going through puberty. Yeah, you're yeah, going yeah, through yeah. an adolescent crisis. We are going through the same thing. And why you were the one who stayed at home for a month, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever had similar situations just struggling to explain yourself to one someone else. One hundred percent. My best example probably is is with my parents. So, you know, at first, especially when I told my dad, I don't think he quite understood what was going on. What does that mean? And it's only really recently that he's been able to properly understand it. So I said this story in my first podcast. Um, my passport was in a different place to me one night and I was staying over at my grandma, granddad's house. Um, it was in a safe place. Like, it was completely safe with where it was. Mm -hmm. It was in a room that was quadruple locked, like, in a very good building that was locked with, you know, it was safe. But because I wasn't with my passport that night, it was just one of those little things where I worried about it once, and then all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. it goes around my head, and it explodes into this big, massive problem, and then all of a sudden, (laughs) I was like, oh, my gosh, like, everything is ruined, like, what am I going to do? Like, my passport. And my dad was just like, Nat, calm down. Like, why why are you so, like, it's fine, it's safe. Like, what's what's going on? And I was like, and I just said to him outright, I was like, oh, this just happens sometimes. Like, my brain just... Because I'm so aware of it now that I'm just like... Okay, it's 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 growing in my head as this big massive problem. For God's sake, like this is happening again. Like, and I was kind of talking to him about it. I was like, "Yeah, Dad, like, don't worry yourself about it. It's just something that I've got to do in my own head. I know that it's ridiculous for me to be worrying about it, but my brain's going to worry about it anyway. And now I'm not going to sleep all evening." And he was like, "What do you mean you're not going to sleep all evening over that?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's that's just what happens." And it was just a sense of, like, shock that he was just like, oh, you're so, like, used to this. And I was like, yeah, because this is this just happens. And I get nights where one thing will worry me and then I just won't sleep till about 4 or 5 a.m. And he was just like, whoa, okay. And so I'd gone to bed and then afterwards he, like, came up to check on me and it was like, are you, 
are you okay? Like, are you still are you asleep yet? Sort of thing. And I was like, I was like, no, not asleep. Still here. Still can't get my brain to shut off. And he was just so like, like that was one of the first times he'd probably properly seen it. Yeah, like he took a concrete situation to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because otherwise, if you just tell someone, oh, by the way, I get moments where like I have to keep getting up because I need to make sure my door's locked and my oven's switched off. You know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, and like people just think you're a bit, you're a bit weird. Like why would you have to keep getting up in the night to make sure your oven's turned off like you've turned it off it's things like that especially the panic attacks when you tell people oh yeah I wait I, I used to wake up like I'd say maximum night I had was about five times where I'd woken up with a nocturnal panic attack I'd either had a panic dream or it was just happening to me I'd wake up I had a pa- have a panic attack and I'd get exhausted to the point where I'd just drift straight up straight back off to sleep but it would happen so often in the night that by the time I woke up the next morning like I was just drained like I was exhausted and it was like it was like I was constantly running marathons in my sleep and so when you explain that to someone they're just like how does like they can't quite understand how that works but then when someone sees you having a panic attack and I remember this because I felt I felt really bad about it I felt myself going and then I sat on the balcony and I had this panic attack and like the same things were happening like I was crying I couldn't breathe like my arms were like shaking and like I couldn't feel them like that's the first like one of the first things to go when I'm having a panic attack is my feeling in my arms so like they'll start getting all like tingly and stuff and then I'm like constantly trying to like work out if I can still feel like it's really weird like I have my own like mechanisms to kind of work through it when it happens like I feel guilty in the moments it's happening because it's like I should be able to control this by now but at the same time like it was the first time you know, I think I'd properly seen what, what it looked like bless I think she'd made me like a lemonade or something and she came up to me and she was like here you go here's a lemonade and then she was like talking to me and talking to me and I was like like you just need to leave me for a minute you need to leave me for a minute and I felt awful for it afterwards and then that was making me panic more because I was like I felt like I've offended her like I've turned around and I said look leave me alone I didn't want to say that to her but it was like no like I don't want you to see me like this I need to work it out and when I'm when I'm better like I can talk to you properly and I did feel bad and but it's those moments where people see oh crap like actually when this happens you look like you're having like a heart attack like but it's when you see it it's like all of a sudden people understand it and I think that's the thing about panic attacks that was if anything great like that sounds stupid to say but you can see the physical side effects of what's going on if people don't see it it's like does that even happen it's not like you've broken your arm and you were in a cast and you can see straight away oh this person has broken their arm and you can understand it you it's something that you just cannot see all the time it's hard especially like that example that you said earlier about this guy that you were dating that said you know like you seem anxious um i can't deal with it like it's great that he was honest and he pointed that out but at the same time ain't nobody got time for it. <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that at all like if if that person's not got time to be able to understand it and deal mm. with it then that's their problem like yeah. i think mm. that's it's not worth to even be with someone yeah. that's not willing to work through it with you and understand it with one in four people suffer with a mental health issue how many people is he going to end up dating that have a mental health issue because this is the thing if he goes out and dates eight people he's already met two people at least that have got a mental health issue so you know it's like (laughs) he's going to come across it it's not an uncommon thing Mm -hmm. you can't just pick and choose oh I want someone that doesn't have a mental health issue I think that attitude not all the time like it's each their own but sometimes does correlate with the people that almost don't believe 
believe it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, you can see that someone is anxious, but you see that as it's shy. Like he said, anxious and shy. He's linked that to being shy. He's not linked that to you have something that you have to deal with every day and go through. It is almost exactly like saying, oh, there's someone that I'm dating that's got diabetes and I don't want to go out with them because they've got diabetes because I don't want to have to deal with their insulin. I feel like it should be treated as exactly... could be dating someone and then they end up with a mental health illness as you're going out. It's like, what do you do then? You don't just turn around and say, oh, they're they're just a bit sad today. Oh, sorry, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I don't want to deal with that. Like, they're a bit sad today and everyone gets sad. Yeah, people get sad at times, but it's a type of of worry and sadness that is so exaggerated that it it affects every single element of your day-to-day. Like, Mm -hmm. it's hard to see the problem when it's not physically in front of you and understand that it is something else aside to the normal basic functions of your everyday life. I think that in a case of some mental illnesses and conditions, you just can't see, as you as you mentioned in your stories, for example, how your father or some of your friends finally were forced to face what you're dealing with because of the physical manifestation of, of your problem. There are many problems that are so hard to, to get noticed by anyone around you, Especially if people are dealing with a lot of things, a lot of problems, they're caught up in, in their world, even your parents, and uh, they're busy all the time, out all the time, or not aware of those kinds of problems, and your friends are away, they're at work. With every problem of, of this kind, um, the first step is for you to realize that you have a problem, but that doesn't always happen. And uh, the worst scenario is when there's nobody around to notice it. And uh, that happened with my friend who, who came uh, to Belgrade to visit me and uh, who's been texting me for a week or two before he arrived. And I noticed in the way he wrote his messages that something's deeply wrong. Um, he's a gamer. He plays a lot of video games and uh, he's been dealt with some bad cards. His parents live in a village and they're people who literally work the land so far away from realizing what kind of issue he might have and uh, he's been forced to live in the village with his parents. He's artistic type, he draws, his drawings are really good, Uh, he reads a lot, he's very intelligent, very well read and uh, he has nobody to talk to, to relate to and uh, he's been trapped inside the virtual world and I have a lot of friends who love video games, I love video games Mm -hmm. but um, as you mentioned before, your previous topic was were drugs, mm-hmm. and this is kind of addiction, different kind of addiction that pulls you away from reality, yeah. that shields you away from your problem. So he was postponing his problem for a long time, and when I finally saw him, I saw a neurotic person, I couldn't recognize him, who was shaking, who was like yelling. We were walking down this street, and he was like interrupting somebody, who, some strangers along the way, and he was asking them some really crazy questions. He was interviewing them. He was writing a book. He actually wrote 300 pages about some conspiracy theory and he didn't, he, he wasn't later on, I will tell you about it, he wasn't diagnosed with paranoia, so he wasn't that. And um, we got to this coffee shop and he was yelling at the waiter. He made such a horrible scene. I was trying to hold on to the friend I knew, to the person I know, uh, under the problem. I realized the problem is there, but I realized he's so far away from seeing that he has a problem. And at that point you have to make a good 
strategy how to approach that person. That doesn't matter how long you've known them. If they're so far away from realize that they have a problem, you can push them more away from your... If you make them face their problem mm -hmm. uh, without leading into it softly or like going around it, you can go directly, especially if you see that escalated so far. And what happens is that we say goodbye to each other and a few hours later I realize he's missing. Like that night I couldn't sleep. I, I, I got a feeling something was wrong. And he was missing for five or six days and I couldn't find him anywhere. And I then I started calling all the numbers in that village to find his family because they didn't have his home phone number and they didn't know where their son, their son was. They didn't even question like he, he was in some kind of problem. I can't relate to that. Finally, I found my friend a week later in an insane asylum. His uncle put him there without his parents' knowledge. He was... When uh, when we went to his room, it was painted with really beautiful but really disturbing images mm -hmm. <laughs> all over the walls. I I can't realize even even I don't blame his parents. I can't, mm -hmm. but on because of their situation and who they are, they should have at least noticed the physical signs like yeah. of he he didn't sleep, he yeah, didn't yeah, eat, yeah. Mm -hmm. which is the first two things. First I think things. every person mm -hmm. who's dealing with anything heavier should pay attention yeah. to like eat and sleep. Like I will force you to. Eat. Eat yeah, and yeah, sleep. Yeah. Like really, this is what I do when I was having a hard time. Like first thing I, I tell to myself, okay, you're going to eat. You don't like yeah, this, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you're going to have three meals. You don't. You can't yeah. sleep. You're going to listen to some soothing music. You're yeah. going to drink warm milk, warm tea. You're going to do something that comes you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're going to do this. And, uh, so he's neurotic and uh, uh, he has too much energy and uh, he gets this paranoia attacks he gets lost in the fantasy world and he's dealing with it but he's still trapped in that environment which is not the best for him it's like i feel like he's stuck there unable to to escape just one more thing as you noticed like um you need sometimes a slap in your face like a cold shower yeah. you don't need your friends to nurse you you need it a little bit of course <laughs> but if they nurse you you will get too comfortable Yeah, 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 in yeah, your yeah, condition absolutely. and you don't need that no. you don't need that you need somebody like give you energy to especially some conditions where you don't have energy to do anything like just do this or just like oh we're doing this I don't care we're doing this and do something with you like she's done with for me many times like so yeah I was basically diagnosed with general anxiety which kind of morphs over time into different mm -hmm. types of anxieties but yeah as you said it's it's always there depression comes and goes it's it's super intense but anxiety is just changing its its level of, mm -hmm. of, of striking you yeah. the thing that helped me the most uh, was going on ter therapy for a year mm -hmm. uh, at the end of uh, the high school and as it happened we moved to to the capital for for our, our studies so the change of in environment was very helpful yeah. because I moved from everything that was smothering me and, yep, uh, yeah. but at the same time Belgrade is it, it's really nuts at times yeah. and it's super <laughs> intense it's 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 also beautiful and has you know loads of fun stuff to offer but yeah. it's it's really it's intimidating yeah. <laughs> <sometimes>. <laughs> so I was always worried about what other people think mm -hmm. and if I'm you know each and every fr friendship that I have. Am I worthy of it? Am I worthy yeah. of this and that? Am I okay with people? And yeah. There are zillion, a gazillion questions, always. So um, luckily I met a couple of really nice people, but um, I just, for some reason, I jumped into this mode where, where I was uh, overthinking and questioning everything yeah. at one point. Yeah. Is this cho choice of study okay? 
Um, is my family okay? Where am I going with this? Um, my friends are all away, yep. <laughs> you know, scattered. and, and um, So, yeah, it came to that point where I, I did a little research, so I found that it actually it's a thing. Um, it's called uh, selective mutism. Which okay. is crazy, and you just—I mean, it's not. I didn't decide, you know, not to speak to some people. I just felt the need not to talk to certain people, mm -hmm. and I was completely like silent. We went out, and there were a couple of new people, and I just—I didn't speak for two and a half hours at all. Of course, you can notice when someone is out of out of the whole story and not. I did have fun. I was happy that I was out with them. It's just that I—it was something in me that I couldn't talk. So it, and it's really weird <laughs> I know but uh, so um, yeah so two, two of uh, two of my friends they they know that I'm quiet in, in general and that I'm really introverted and they're okay with it because we really really have amazing time together they did see it as a really strange thing what I really appreciate about them that they found such a great way of approaching me and we talked and they were like okay we get it just feel free to talk to us whenever you, you feel like it we're there the the most important thing is just just talk just just you know find find an outlet and yeah. let it all yeah, 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 out yeah, yeah. yeah that's probably what my the weirdest episode I, I had <laughs> re related to 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 anxiety but yeah um, and I'm okay with the fact that I'm not going to, to deal with it all the time hundred percent mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I don't know it's just that. I was constantly worried, you know, am I too weird for these people? Am I too weird for the world? Why, yeah, God, why yeah, am I yeah, so yeah. weird? <laughs> but, and, Do you and, know, it feels so good to hear someone else saying that <laughs> because that is, that is exactly what goes on in my head, mm -hmm. like, honestly. And then, or like I've said something or done something to someone or whatever, or, you know, and then I'm constantly thinking in my head, oh, no. Like, mm. and then I'll start feeling so bad about it to the point where I'm like, that person must hate me now. Like, I've yeah. done such an awful thing in just saying that one little thing mm -hmm. to that person that now it's blown up. And then in my head, I'm like, that yeah, was a terrible just, thing. You and just then build up this whole story. Yeah. It's just, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah, exactly. This person has to f feel like this and think like this just because I said that one thing. Yeah. And while in real reality, no one knows except for that person, you know? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it feels good to hear it from someone else because I definitely, <laughs> the amount of my poor, my poor friends, I've said this a lot of time in my podcast, my poor friends, but yeah, like it, 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 it like to the, <laughs> my poor, poor friends that ever have to listen to me or I think that was the main like point of my depression is like, am I good enough for the world because of yeah. how I am? Like, you know, am I just too weird for the world that it's like, I can't, you know, it got to the point where I was like, I don't know if I should even be here anymore because it's like I felt like a, like a ne negative part of my friends as well. Like, oh, this, this person is negative because this is how she is. I didn't want to feel like that. I didn't want to be that person. Mm. Feeling bad for them and then thinking, like, I don't deserve to have these people in my life. Like, mm. not only are they helping me all the time, but they're having to put up with me being their friend. Like, like it's yeah. a big problem, you know? I don't know. You do think that at the time. But then when I think about my friends that also go through mental health problems, I don't think like that. Yeah. Like, I, I think do. I want to be there for them. And no I want question. them to... No question yeah, whatsoever. Like, no, oh and I won't... God, this is a chore. Never. 
never like, like it's never a chore it's like yeah it's, it's like if they're going through anything I want to be able to say like I'm a person that they can turn to and I'll be there for them regardless mm. of how crazy their whole thought process yeah. is like it doesn't matter if they're trying to climb the walls like mm. you know I will I will be there to catch them when they fall down like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so it's no it's good hearing that from someone else because mm. it definitely like especially in social scenarios like I had a few mm. social scenarios where I'd be with new people or and and I would just be like these people I don't know if I'm just the wrong personality so like mm. I would be at these social situations and this is when I would like usually try and drink alcohol as well to make me feel better and feel like I could be social with these people yeah. um, <laughs> because it's like okay I don't want them to tell that mm-hmm. I'm an anxious person even just me and my personality and who I am it's like it makes you question it it's like you know are these people just going to think that I'm really weird like even mm-hmm. even with me doing these podcasts in general there's the thought like oh are people going to listen to these and think that I'm just some self-obsessed um, weirdo that's just constantly talking about how she feels all the time do you know what I mean it's like it's this constant thought of what are people going to react to it and oh this person's saying it for attention or whatever and that's why these people are saying Mm. their stories but it's not and then this this is the thing like if you say that to someone or say like this is why they're doing it that discourages people from actually talking about it because then it does it starts that process in your head where you are questioning yourself and you're like no I can't say this and I can't say how I feel because then people are going to think that I'm this sort of person or I'm a person that constantly wants to talk like a poor me person Yeah, that's like oh poor me look at what I have to go through it's not that it's just if you are able to talk about it it's a better way to be able to solve in the issue in the first place and raising awareness and making people believe that actually it is okay to talk about these things and just because this is something you have to go through it doesn't mean that you you know you can't talk about it because if you talk about it then people are going to think this this and this about you or that you're a selfish person yeah and also I, I've also told this to her many times like um, not the bare, bad parts there are also some parts of, of our conditions or that make us who we are like uh, certain traits of our personality mm-hmm. and at one point you have to own it yeah. this is you and uh, when you try to force people to behave in to be a part of the norm you're making them feel worse yeah when you're forcing people to put on a smile, that's the sentence I hated the most throughout my life. Like, put on a smile. Everybody likes to see a smile. They don't care what's behind it. You can be a psychotic killer, just put on a smile. (laughs) And it's just like, it's so bad because they they call me a grumpy, a grumpy, grudgy person. (laughs) Like, especially when I was a teenager, but also as a child, I was really quiet. And then in high school, I was just a similar thing, but from different reasons, but that also traits of our personality. I would just like sit there and I I couldn't engage in a conversation because I didn't feel the need to. And I just, I didn't even like, I would observe people and how they interacted with each other, but I didn't feel the need to engage. Sometimes it would just be really hard to make myself engage because then I was like, oh, then I have to look super happy and Mm -hmm. uh, I have to get along with what they're saying. And even though I deeply disagree with what they're saying and I'm trying not to offend anybody, not to look like a jackass in the group. And uh, even though I wouldn't 
put it harshly, I would just state a different opinion. But at that time, that was stressful. Like the idea of like everybody putting all this intention on me. So at that time, I would just like choose rather not to. Mm-hmm. And I would feel better in smaller groups rather than in big social events. Yeah, yeah. Then I would just like shut down. But in time, you meet all sorts of people and you find people who really don't care about bullshit smiles and who are like, who like want to get you as the person you are. Yeah. So you need to own it. You need to own that part of your personality, which is not like destructive for you, but which is like even some people might think it's weird or shy but you shouldn't care like yeah. this is who I am try to talk with me about it not just shun it <laughs> or like I don't know laugh at it or something the way I've seen it now it's something that I will never always cure like I thought to the point like I came to Belgrade Belgrade was my was part of my cure in my mind like it it is just as crazy as I am there's roadworks everywhere. <laughs> it's comforting to know, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, the thing is, I felt like, okay, I'm finally getting over this part. It's gone, or it's going. Like, that's it. But then when I started getting sad again over Christmas, that's when I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm not so good at looking after myself or doing these things. And I do think that it was partly because I wasn't looking after myself properly. But at the same time... It made me realise that it's not always going to be, okay, I'm cured, I'm going to be happy for the rest of my life now. That's not how it works. And it took me that to realise that that was the case and that actually my mental health issues are a part of me. They are a part of who I am. And like you said, own it. It's like, it's almost like you have an extra person like with you all the time and this person is like and a separate you that's always sat next to you that's a bit grey that is, is invisible to everyone else but you know that that person is sat there you know that that is still you it's just that is let's say this person that you are now is like the outside of you but then this other person is all the other bits on the inside that people don't necessarily get to see straight away or it comes out sometimes and this person is constantly there and, like, you're trying to push this person away and, like, get out. Like, I don't want you here. And then this person is, like, fighting back with you and, like, no, I want to, like, be in with this. And it's, like, you having that argument with that other part of you and constantly pushing the other person and, like, get out of my face. And the other one's, like, no, I want to be there and be that present person. I don't want to be the hidden away one. That in itself is an unhealthy relationship. You can't keep pushing and pulling each other away. You've got to turn around at one point and say, like, look, we're going to have a tea and we'll sit together and we'll we'll shake hands and we'll say, okay, do you know what? Yeah, I can't be perfect all the time and there are going to be times where you will come through and there are going to be times where you hide away just the same as the outside of me will sometimes be there present and sometimes it will hide away and then that person will come through and that that's okay. That person is just as much part of who I am as, as this person is because this person has been shunned the whole time that they've been a part of you because you just don't want to feel like that anymore. No, like I said, no one is ever going to feel happy all of the time. The world is not a perfect place. The world is not Instagram. Like, that's just how it is, okay? <laughs> it's okay to take pictures of someone and they'll be really happy, but then that person is secretly there in the background that you just can't see. And the longer you keep fighting with that person and saying, get out of my face, I don't want you anywhere near this person here that's on Instagram they're going to be like, well, no, because I want to. And then the more that you fight with that person, it's just going to carry on getting worse until you just sit down and be like, no, okay? This person needs just as much love and understanding as this person here. 
I mean, there's there is a campaign in the UK, and I think it's one here as well called the Black Dog, where it's like you, you yeah, everyone's holding like a black dog in front of them that's mm. suffering with depression that you can't see. But I think a dog's not enough. Like, like okay, yeah, it's like a pet. It's like, but that's not humanizing it. Or, yes. like, you know. And you're completely right. Yeah. yeah, it has to take a human form. And I don't. It, yeah, dogs are cute, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a point of view, but it's not your best friend. Yeah, in, and, and you're not having fun with it. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, fun. yeah. It needs to be like personified somehow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, dogs are made more real. You, yeah. You know, you pet them, you feed them, whatever. I think it's a completely wrong analogy. Like, yes. what, what is like a dog? <laughs> like a pet, a friend? Yeah. Somebody, like something that comforts you, that makes mm-hmm. you feel happy? Yeah. Which is not <laughs> everything that this is not. No. 